This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello there. Peabody here. And this is the Wayback Machine. We're traveling through time. And this is my boy, Sherman. Speak, Sherman. Hello. Good boy. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I guess it's safe to say this show started back in the day because today is our 1,300th episode. Today, to take a drunken stumble down memory lane, we have Joe and OG walking you through some of our favorite headlines from over the years. Remember, before 2020? <laughs> uh, uh, so young, so innocent. But that's not all. For all of you with a credit card hangover, we'll chat with Adam Carroll about shredding your debt. And I'll share some historical trivia. His Hysterical? Historical? Hysterical and historical! And now, two guys who want to walk you not only through the past, but also to your financial future. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! And a happy 1300 to you, stackers. Welcome back to the Stacky Benjamins Show. You found us. You're here. Sit back, relax, because we're about to have some fun today celebrating 1300. Don't think we're drunk yet, though. Uh, well, let's see. I'm not drunk, but my co-host here across the card table. You drunk yet? No, uh, dry January. Also, do you know how much focus and concentration it's going to be to blow out 1300 candles? I know, right? You cannot have an ounce of alcohol. I mean, you'll start a fire if you breathe alcohol on that blowtorch. Between my advanced age and and the fact that I've got this cold that won't quit, uh, there's no way that I can do it. But can you believe it? 1,300 episodes. It feels like just yesterday that you and I were talking about maybe starting like up a podcast. 1,301. I know. It's, yeah, that's what it feels like to me. Just yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we got a great show today. We're going to walk you through some of our favorite headlines. Often during our Rewind Weeks, we focus a lot on the guests who have made this show what it is, but also our headlines where we kind of track time and all the things that happened during the years. We're going to track three of those that we felt were very important. But before even that, I think we need to celebrate a little bit with some of this. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. 
State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Well, it's not much of a celebration, but it makes the show go. We got a great show. We got Adam Carroll helping us help you shred debt and then a walk through our headlines over the years. So let's get moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from USA Today. And uh, here's a statistic, OG. To cope with record inflation, Americans have opened up a record number of credit cards. What could possibly go wrong there? Ah, lots of points. Trying to glass half full. New year, new me. Glass half full. I'm going to get points that equal maybe two or three percent of my purchases while paying twenty four percent interest. That's not bad. Seeing credit cards up to twenty nine right now. Yeah, it's just ugly. We spoke with Adam Carroll about this uh, recently on Fireside in 2023. We're going to try to do more of these interviews live. So if you want uh, to hang out with us while we interview people live, and you can also ask your questions, download our welcome guide to the show, stackingbenjamins.com slash welcome. This one we did on Fireside uh, during the holiday season. Adam Carroll created a documentary a few years ago talking about the student loan crisis, which clearly is solved now. Yeah, We perfect. definitely found out that his documentary took care of that, uh, but it's called Broke, Busted, and Disgusted. He also has one of the top TEDx talks with over uh, 3 million people watching him play Monopoly with real money with his kids, which I, th- I think is just amazing. Just such a great idea. Now he is worried about shredding debt. And I asked him about this headline recently, OG, and, and I said, I don't think this is sustainable. Do you agree, Adam? No. And it goes back to the saying that you can't solve a spending problem with more debt. That's the challenge. If some people are being challenged by the inflationary times we're in and, and potentially an economic downturn, I understand having access to that money. But if we're using that for spending purposes, that is a ticket to destructionville for sure. Let's talk about that. He said a lot there. First of all, he talked about you can't solve a spending problem with more spending. Walk me through that, OG, because I think there's a lot of people that think, hey, I open up this credit card, right? I roll the balance over to that credit card. That's going to solve my problem. And it will certainly solve it over the short run. Well, maybe we'll solve it over the short run. It at best will help you with some interest payments or even deferring. I noticed we bought a car a couple of years ago and did the financing through the dealership, but I knew I was going to refinance it through the credit union because I knew I'd get a better deal. 
but the dealership had some incentives. So it was interesting the the process that it took to refinance the car loan ended up that I had like two or two and a half months of no payments. And it was awesome. And then I thought, oh, all that's happening here is interest is accumulating. They're like, yeah, but just pay whenever. They don't care. They're like, you know, either either we'll take the car or you'll pay us eventually. And, you know, that's fine. And so so, you know, at best case scenario, you lower your interest payments, you know, maybe skip a month of payments or something like that. But if you don't get the spending in check, there's a very real possibility that that opened line of credit then. You know, you see this all the time with home equity lines, right? So I'm going to go get a home equity loan of credit. I'm going to go get a, a home equity loan or home equity line, consolidate all my debt into it. And now I've got all this free credit available on all my credit cards that I just paid off, air quotes. When I, of course, I didn't pay it off. I just moved it around. So you have to be real careful with that because if you if you don't uh, take care of the spending component of that, the thing that got you into the problem to begin with, you're just going to redo it again. Yeah, that is the root of the problem. You could take care of all these leaves, the interest rate, the payment, all these different things. But if you don't solve the root of the problem, we still we still got the problem. Yeah. If you're looking at refinancing debt, I would be asking the question, how did I get myself into this in the first place? He said, though, that he likes having access to that money. So he kind of flips it a little bit. He goes, listen, I understand having access to this capital, though. Access for somebody that has proven over and over again there they have trouble with credit cards is that is that a good thing oh i thought you're talking about congress for a second um (laughs) yeah no we're talking about real people oh sorry sorry i was like (laughs) it's like unlimited checkbook i just i just spend whatever i want no accountability good news there's a new congress in town i'm sure it'll be a whole different you know meet the meet the new congress same as the old congress right yeah yeah right right. it's interesting because that sentiment trickles down to how we behave as well. It's like, if you don't fix that root problem, you've got an issue and nobody wants to fix the root problem. I'll just, you know, I'll just go make more money or it'll be all right. I'll figure it out in the long run. I have, uh, I can't reach in the drawer back there, but I have a stack of credit cards and thankfully most of them are at zero, uh, nearly all of them. I do think that having all of that available credit could be helpful at some point. I haven't figured out when yet, but perhaps it will. Same thing with like a line of credit on the house. I mean, it's it's available. Don't know exactly when I would want to go into debt, more debt on my house for something. But um, starting to tap that. Yeah. When to use that is always going to be the issue. But look at companies, right? Apple has debt. Disney has debt. There's a responsible way to use it. And you can do that. But I think as an individual, that responsible window is pretty tiny because if you really look through it, a lot of a lot of our spending is discretionary, especially when you look at yourself as a business. If you said, I'm going to go use my home equity loan to open up a car wash. okay, I mean, I get that. Like, that makes sense. I'm going to go use my home equity loan to put a pool in. Eh, That's discretionary. You're not going to add a lot. There'll be some add additional value to the house, obviously. But that's you convincing yourself that it is. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, no, no, yeah. it'll add value to the house. And while we're doing it, why don't we do the kitchen, too? That's all stuff that you want to do for yourself, which is fine, too. But you have to know what you're doing. I think with all this discussion on debt and opening new credit cards, OG, I think it's time for us to challenge our stackers out there to go the other way. Let's start shredding our debt. Let's get rid of our debt and see if we can do a better job in 2023 than the average person. If we could be like a salmon and fight upstream while everybody else has opened up new credit cards, we're instead paying ours down. How awesome would that be? A couple of years ago, the mortgage rates were really low. Everybody was refinancing. And I had this pretty unpopular opinion that I thought at the time that you should have taken the rate and the term. So get the two and a half percent mortgage and the 15 years and just be done with it. You know, you talked about paying off his house. That's a strong motivator for me, despite the fact that the math says I shouldn't do that, but the payment is a whole bunch of money and not having the payment reduces a lot of stress and not having the payment reduces a whole big bucket of cash I don't need to have if I want to be financially independent in the near future. And it's like, so why wouldn't I want to do that? And then all the other things, you know, I've been doing financial planning for a quarter century. I don't know a lot of successful, wealthy retirees who have big, giant mortgage payments. You know, we've talked about that 
that that's a common factor. So why not just do the thing that everybody else does? You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Pay off your debt. Be smart about it. You know, I, I like this idea of trying not to accumulate more this year. We've had three years of accumulation. Yes. Yeah, right. How about not anymore? Adam Carroll, a very smart guy, and uh, he agrees with the OG. This is his personal debt payoff story. The beginning of my my mission or my initiative on becoming debt-free started when I was in my early 20s. And my wife and I, Joe, realized that at some point we wanted to live on one income. But to live on one income, you had to lower your expenses to get to a point where your income superseded what your expenses were. And so we realized that the only way to do that was really to knock out our debts. And we started with the highest interest ones, right? So we knocked out credit card debt. We knocked out car loans. We knocked out consumer debts. And all we had left was a mortgage. But in 2012, we really got intentional and started using the shred method to knock out our mortgage. And believe it or not, Joe, on, on not crazy income. So we were a dual income family but we have three kids. Expenses were relatively average, high we're to average, kid-ish. I would say. Your expenses were three, three kid-ish. kid-ish. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's right. I have three kids who have this terrible habit of eating three or four it's times so a day. so annoying. No matter, no matter how I try to stop them. But when in 2012, when we decided to do it, three years and eight months later, we were mortgage-free. So in, what was that, 36, 44 months we had no mortgage and we had an extra two grand, 2100 a month in discretionary income and all the equity sitting in our property that wasn't accruing interest, you know, amortized interest. Bam. And the professors out there will tell you that that's suboptimal OG. But listen to what he said. He started with the, with the end of mind. He began with the goal. I wanted to be able to live on one income. That was what it took really was to get, and I love him talking about being intentional. We wanted to live on one income and we thought, how do we get there? And once he started with that goal, it didn't begin with pay off the mortgage at all. It began with, I want to be able to live on one income. And then the debt strategy came from there. Yeah. And he could have solved that a different way, right? He could have said, I'll go move to a smaller house, but he, you know, in the order of events or the order that he wanted things to happen, it solved for this thing. It's still interesting to me, talk about the broke professors, <laughs> go, go get that mortgage truth and lending statement that, that it's like buried on page eight or nine. It's all, it's all part of the closing. It's like, just sign here. You bought a house, sign here. You bought a house, sign here. You bought a house, sign here. You're going to make payments. You're like, what's that number? Ah, it's just the number you're going to totally pay. Sign here, sign here. Like, hold on, back up, flip back to that page and see the total sum of all of those payments and tell me that's not motivating to make it go away. Take a look at all those payments and then subtract out the purchase price of your house. That's all the money the bank gets. There's nothing in it for you. All that interest could be, could be yours just sitting in a savings account. So I get that the time value of money and all that sort of stuff. I know how to do math, but yeah, there's some emotional tie to being debt free. Oh, absolutely. And once you're debt free, I've never heard any person who became debt free go, you know what? I'm sad. I did that. That was horrible. Yeah. Let me get debt again. Yeah, ruin my retirement. I'm not going to make it. Things are going to go badly for me now. Never, never once had that happen. The good news is that with the proliferation of debt, you can you can get it again. You can try it again if you want. Do it over. I was debt free once. It was amazing. <laughs> Got it back again. Well, Adam actually did too. And uh, you know what? We'll link to that in our show notes. If people want to hear the entire interview. By the way, Adam has a program. A lot of these fintech founders have programs that we like, but not many that we partner with. That's how much we like Adam's program. It's called the Shred Method. It is a program where you learn how to optimally pay off all your debt quickly. And then it's combined with a computer program telling you exactly the optimal day to pay each debt so that you accelerate the process even more. We'll have a link to that also in our show notes. If you'd like to see more about Adam referenced it, you heard him talk about the shred method. That is his program. But even without the shred method, let's just challenge all of our stacker community. Let's go out there and let's swim upstream, guys. Let's take on less debt in 2023 and really shore up that foundation. Coming up next, OG and I are going to walk through three headlines that kind of characterize some of the fun we've had over the years here, over 1,300 episodes of the Stacking Benjamin Show. But before that, I think, Doug, you've got some trivia for us to get us there because, OG, a certain stock exchange was born 
on today's date in history. Stackers, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. The beginning of the New York Stock Exchange was inked in 1792 as 24 stockbrokers signed an agreement that set rules for how stocks could be traded. Unofficially, traces of the stock exchange can be found way back to the 1600s. But it wasn't until well after 1792 that the NYSE actually had a permanent spot and on this day in history, their first permanent office was opened. So my question is, what year did the New York Stock Exchange open an actual permanent location? 1795, 1835, or 1865? I'll be back right after I ring this bell. Well, Stackers, if you're joining us here in the new year because of the fact that the holidays took a toll on your finances, you are not alone. January is a big month, not just for Stacking Benjamins, but also sales of books like Stacked uh, that go through the roof. This is the time when people are thinking about their money. And if you are, partner up with Navy Federal Credit Union to pay down credit card debt. You could get a low intro APR on balance transfers with their Platinum Credit Card. It's their lowest rate card. And it's a great tool to transfer money over, pay less interest while you're paying down debt. Here's the key. You got to do two things, peeps. Number one, you have to change the habit. But then number two, you want to reduce your interest rates. And the Platinum Credit Card from Navy Federal Credit Union can help you do just that. Navy Federal can even help you get started on your next home improvement project. They offer a home equity line of credit with convenient access to funds when you need them. At a variable rate, you can also get a fixed rate equity loan that is set monthly payments for large purchases. Consolidating debt with a home equity loan could also streamline and lower your monthly payments. It's time to think like the CFO in your house, stackers. Let's get your debt management plan in place. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA, equal housing lending, membership required, loan subject to approval. Call 1-888-842-6328 for details about credit costs and terms. HELOC APR as low as 6.5% as of November 23rd, 2022. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey there, stackers. I'm New York talk exchanger, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Like a bunch of poets and hippies, the New York Stock Exchange had been running out of packed coffee shops as well as some rented offices before they decided to get it together and make it official on Broad Street. Trading was surging because of the invention of telegraphs, tickers, and transatlantic cables. And just a year after the office opened, more than a million shares a day were changing hands. So, what year did the first permanent office of the New York Stock Exchange open? 1865. It took them 67 years after deciding to have an exchange to actually open an office. And I thought Joe's mom was a procrastinator. And now, two guys here to talk about what it was like back then. Back to Joe and OG. Well, this is going to be a lot of fun. I picked out three headlines that we're going to listen to pieces of during this segment. The first one is from March 2020, and it's funny now, OG, that hopefully we're emerging from COVID, knock on wood, at least emerging from the lockdowns. The lockdowns created this market in March of 2020 that you remember was just absolutely ugly. 
absolutely ugly. And during that time, you and I did a headline about the down market and about finding the lemons in the lemonade. And I think this has been a key piece of the Stacking Benjamin show. People ask what some of our core tenants are. And if we go through most of our headlines during those years, I feel like we have a tendency to think contrarian and we would encourage our stacker community to think contrarian. When everybody's thinking about how bad something is, think about how can I turn this around and turn it into an opportunity. And our guest, OG, I feel like do the same thing. Right after this, we had Phil Town on. Phil Town did a very similar approach saying, listen, if you're able to keep your job during this downturn, if things are okay for you, if you don't have COVID, well, then this is a time when things are on sale. Like learning to think different, I feel like is a key tenant that we've had in our headlines over the last 11 years. Well, and if you consider kind of the way that human emotion works, and especially when it comes around money, it's always fear that you're missing out and greed that you always need more, right? It's always one of those two things. If you can recognize that and just try to pull yourself back to the middle, you know, just the pendulum swings too far to this side, just kind of come back to the middle. If the pendulum swings too far to the other side, just come back to the middle. It's probably not as bad as you think, and it's probably not as good as you think. If you stick to the things, that's what we were talking about a little bit ago about paying off your house and that sort of thing. There's very little math that suggests that's a good idea, but a whole bunch of evidence that does. And it's like in the moment, you know, stock market's down 20% last year. It doesn't sound like a really great time to invest. It doesn't feel like a fantastic time to go, you know what I should do? It's January 5th or whatever day it is. It's like, I should invest a whole bunch of money in the market right now. No, maybe we should wait and see how things go and cool it off a little bit and see, you know what I mean? It just, it sounds like the smart thing to do, but that's just thinking about it like it's worse than it really is. And in the summer of two years ago, when things were great, it was probably better than it really was. You know what I mean? It's not, or not as good as it really was. Remember the headline last year that we did, I don't have this one queued up, but we did a headline last year a gentleman who did a research report talking about how academic research and what people like you and I do with this microphone on very rarely show the same results. Like academia will tell you to do X and we will often tell you to do Y. And the report even said that usually the the Y ends up being the better option, even though all the math, all the data suggests that you should do the other thing. And the point of the whole research report was academia rarely factors in emotion, rarely. And emotion ends up being the biggest player of the day. It's just really hard to talk about. It's really hard to predict. It's really hard to deal with unless you're actually in the middle of it. So I want to play for everyone back from March 2020 what you said about what to do during this down market at the time, which now we know in hindsight came roaring right back, right? In hindsight. 17 days. You ended up being very well off if you just held on. And just to give you some context, we are talking about whether during this down market to make lemonade, you should do Roth conversions. If while everything is down, don't touch your money, number one, but number two, should you do Roth conversions? So that's what we're coming into this. You get the, the Roth conversion bug and you go, ah, this is awesome. I can convert 300000 for really cheap. Yeah, but that still puts you at the 35% bracket. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's cheaper. It's less expensive than it was a month and a half ago, but it's still but it's you know, less money. 35%. Now, if you find yourself in a lower tax bracket or you have an opportunity to, you know, and I think this is what he was talking about here, if you can fill up that lower tax bracket with more IRA dollars, it stands to reason that that makes a lot of sense because when that tranche of money does recover, you get that next 30% gain for free, which is a good idea. So, but be careful. Bo also says in this article that people closing in on retirement should be thinking about the whole idea of sequence of returns. And do I have enough money in my reserve position? If somebody's retiring right now, OG, or in six months, what do you Nobody's retiring right now, unless they have to. That's what I was thinking. I think if you're deciding to retire today, you're probably pushing that thing back, aren't you? 
if you put your retirement papers in February 1 for March 1, you were already retired when this happened or starting to be. And at that point in time, you should have already had your two years worth of emergency fund. That's what we talk about is have two years worth of worth of distributions in your portfolio. And then when your account value goes down a certain amount, you got to decide what that is for you. But when the volatility takes your portfolio down, then start drawing from cash for the next two years. Now, a lot of people might have retired March 1st, breached that wall March 20th, and are now on cash for the next two years. But that's fine. That's where they are. But if you haven't yet retired, gosh, I really don't think that there's a lot of people going, yeah, I'm still going to retire on April 1st. But if you did it the way... This is uh, interesting, of course. Hindsight being 2020, we didn't know that the market was going to come right back. And actually retiring at that specific time, OG, didn't end up being that big a deal, right? As long as you didn't access a ton of money then. But let's talk about a few things. March 2020, doing these Roth IRA flips, that would have been huge. If you could have gotten in that Roth IRA conversion during that downturn and then now all of a sudden you created all of this extra money what a nice win that would have been it's almost like if you were doing one right now kind of the same thing agree not exactly the same returns but that's the benefit of hindsight in the moment what were we thinking about we were thinking about preservation obviously thinking about safety and family and how is this thing? Is this, is this, is this the end of the world? Quite literally, you know, I mean, there's a lot of anxiety and stress going on and not a ton of conversation around investments and that sort of thing. But meanwhile, your portfolio went down by a third in 17 days. And at that moment go, Oh, I've got a brilliant idea. Why don't I charge myself some taxes while I'm at it? Because that's what would have happened. Right. Like I said, in the piece there, if you convert 300 grand, you still owe a hundred grand. Like it doesn't, yeah. the tax bill is still the tax bill. But I like this idea of working through the plan first. Does this fit the plan? But then I like your cautious optimism. Yeah. Hey, if this thing goes back up, which it will go back up at some point, you even said then you weren't playing the game of when is this coming up? You were playing the game of at some point this will come up. And so, yeah, you're going to get all these free returns when it comes back 30%. And we got, we got it much quicker than you and I could have ever thought that we would have gotten it. But the strategy was be cautious, number one. Understand you're going to pay taxes, number two. But then number three, heck yeah, do some of it. If you have the flexibility, you might as well. And it's the same thing as it is today. You know, you're staring at your year-end investment statements and you're looking at them going, well, I finished down, you know, 20%, 18%, 17%, 22%, you know, somewhere in that range. Doesn't make sense to take another hit basically and say, I'm going to add the tax bill on top of this decline to take advantage of, of the potential recovery, pending recovery, I guess. People often ask what the Stacky Benjamins foundation is. And we go over this fairly often. I wrote the book stacked, which really goes over a lot of our foundational stuff as well. Yeah. No idea what that is, but a foundational piece that I really want to mark. And I know I said this earlier, but at the risk of repeating myself, staying in control of your plan when things go badly, staying in control and not reacting to the forces around you and instead deciding what do I do with this and how do I work my plan around this or do I work my plan around this, right? Keeping the plan front and center. I like how Adam Carroll in our headline today talked about our plan was to live on one income that created the debt straight. He didn't just say, I just want to go pay off a bunch of debt. Hey, oh, the market's down a ton. I'm going to just go convert some Roths. It's does a Roth conversion work for me at what point? And then number three is, am I really killing myself by doing it now? No, it's probably a great time to great time to go ahead and do it. If this is part of my plan already, I think that's a huge key to getting where you want to go. Don't let the market forces run the day. You run your plan. And I think that's, that's the key to winning. I want to focus on now, let's go back to our headline from November 11th, 2019, the race to zero. So we started off with companies like Robinhood as an example, then M1 said, all right, we can play that game. And they went to zero brokerage fees, but a little different model. I like the investment model over at M1 versus the stock trading, but still zero brokerage fee. And then bam, 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 a few weeks ago, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, 
few days later, E-Trade. And now we got some of the big brokers out doing it. Just before we took our break last week, our week off, the CEO of Ameriprise came out and said, we're not in that game. We're not playing that, which I found also to be interesting. This piece in Investment News kind of goes a little further. This is written by Bruce Kelly. CEOs of Raymond James and Ameriprise say race to zero is getting murky. The financial advice industry's race to zero fees and commissions is getting confusing. Two top executives at major firms wondering what UBS Financial Services elimination of fees on separately managed accounts is all about. Are the fees of the UBS accounts bundled or unbundled? Meaning, is the charge for asset management included or separate from the charge to the advisor? Paul Riley, CEO of Raymond James Financial, asked during a conference call to discuss last quarter's earnings. UBS came out with something, said Jim Cracciolo, CEO of Ameriprise Financial, also during a call with analysts to discuss earnings. We're unclear what it exactly means. An internal memo a couple weeks ago, the Swiss bank announced it's eliminating management fees on select separately managed accounts. While there's no specific price set on SMAs, clients across the industry typically pay 1% or 100 basis points for advice on their money. Under that, We obviously got a little uh, nerdy on this headline at the time, OG, but this, this headline very, very much something that I feel like fueled uh, a lot of the events that happened afterwards. I mean, we didn't see COVID coming at the time that I'm talking about this headline from Investment News and Bruce Kelly. You talking about this headline, no idea, COVID coming. And yeah, well, I did though. When, if you remember, I did have a uh, <laughs> Nostradamus moment the previous summer. But, uh, <clears throat> anyways, we have a bunch of uh, mostly young men with nothing better to do. They decide to begin betting on stocks, uh, led in part by uh, Barstool Sports, in a lot of ways, uh, fueled by, by Barstool, I would have to say. By everything. This zero fee thing now, we're two and a half years later, OG. I feel like it still has not been a good thing. Like zero fees. At the time, everybody talked about how this was going to be great. This could be transformative. It's encouraged investors to do the wrong crap with their money because there's no downside to doing the wrong crap with your money. No immediate downside. Yeah, there's no pain up front. Uh, Wall Street Journal had an article this weekend about how the newfound gambling addiction of Reddit and stocks... uh, uh, it's pretty much faded away. Pretty much gone. As people got burned. Smoked. So many people just got burned. Smoked. Yeah, Reddit is full of uh, people who had 10,000 and then had a million and now have 200. You know, it's just it's un- unbelievable in just a small span of time. But that's exactly what the bet was. If you look at Robinhood and or Schwab at some level when they finally caught up to him. That was the bet. The bet was, we are going to convince people that they should do this more. Because the more they do it, the better it is for us. Us being Robin Hood shareholders. Us being Schwab shareholders. And the people who who are in charge of that. And, And so that was a gamble that it would attract people to to do that thing. And uh, the gamble paid off for them. They they made a big gamble and it was right. It's just not good for consumers, which is ties nicely into what we were talking about on the kind of first section of this, which it's almost like you have to do the opposite almost all the time. It's, it's, the, it's yeah. a very, very interesting Warren Buffett quote, you know, greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy type of thing. And, and his other really good one is when the tide goes out, you get to see who's swimming naked, which, uh, kind of sort of was the last year. But when the executives of large organizations whose sole job it is, is to make money for themselves and their shareholders go, no, this is really good for you. You just have to go, is it? I mean, it might be. It might be okay. But I'm going to also always have a twinge of skepticism when it comes to the powers that be saying, this is a great idea. You know, whether it's trading or anything else. It's like, we raised your taxes, but it's a great thing. It's like, well, is it? Is it though? I mean, maybe, probably not. 
for sure, baby. We, we, we passed a new bill. It's awesome. You know, it's like every time something like that happens, I think it's wise to just go, what's in it for you guys? Like, what do you guys get out of this deal? That doesn't mean it's bad for you, but I think you have to recognize that there's two sides of it. That's a good point. Talking about Congress, I love it. I love it when Congress people tout bills afterwards that they didn't even vote for, that they voted against. They go, hey, look at the cool stuff we did. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did not vote for that. However, it's awesome. Like, wow, really? Really? They highlight the paragraph of things that are in it for you and disregard the 900 pages of paragraphs of ways you're getting... <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Not benefited, so to speak. It's the same thing on CNBC, right? I mean, a headline we've had over the years, over and over, is this headline, watch out what's in it for other people. CNBC, uh, Fox Business, when an expert comes on and they manage a growth mutual fund, they're going to talk about how great growth is, whether it's down, whether it's up, no matter what it is. We're going to talk about what gold people that are invest a lot in gold are going to say, hey, uh, gold is fantastic. Here's what gold can do. For <clears throat> <you."> <laughs> so so you definitely got to just know the and it, by the way, it doesn't make these bad people. And you can still learn a lot from people that know gold or people that know I'm not ripping on the asset class at all. You just got to know what's in it for them. Yeah. What's your angle? It's cool. I think this brings up another point here that we have talked about over the years, OG, that is different than most financial podcasts, which is that while I see people, and mostly people with not very much depth of knowledge, frankly, spend a lot of time talking about fees and lowering fees and fees, 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 we have talked about, you want to lower your fees. If two things are the same, lower your fee. However, you can't shrink your way to greatness. You will get nowhere by just paying less money. Cheaper does not equal better. I feel like over the last 11 years of headlines has been a key headline that you have really raised the banner on and run behind constantly that I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't expect. A lot of people don't expect us to go, yeah, fees, not the biggest issue in town. Because it certainly feels like it when you read the popular press. Yeah. I mean, back to our second point, which is, you know, what's in it for everybody else. I think this is one area where it is good for you. But then at the same time, what makes it not good for you? One of the benefits of paying a five and three quarter percent commission on a mutual fund transaction, when you put in your hundred thousand dollars and it costs you six grand in commission and immediately your statement showed 94 was you were pretty reticent to change that and do that all over again. And the brokerage companies had policies and procedures in place that actually prevented you from doing it because, you know, they didn't want you to have another one of those costs. You know, you had to, hold that position for a long time. It got to the point where FINRA and the SEC were mandating calculators with clients. Like, here are the different options you have. This one's cost more in the short run, but this one costs more in the long run type thing. And so you go, well, it's better that there's no commission on mutual funds now, or it's better that ETFs are are transaction-free or there's no commission on it. It's like, is it though? Because if I look at the average investor return with the average investment over a 20-year period, it hasn't changed. Mutual fund commissions went away pretty much 10 years ago, I'd say. Investment management fees at advisor level have largely maintained the same, but they've kind of gone down just a little bit. Um, Internal costs of products have gone down. Commissions across the industry have largely gone away. And yet the average investor still has the same return, which I might say is about 3% a year, according to Dalbar. And so so you go, well, if I'm still getting the same return, it was a better. I don't don't know that it's just different. It doesn't make it better or worse. It's just a different way of doing it. Like people say different products are bad or something like that. You know, like, oh, annuities suck. It's like a lot of them do for different reasons. What sucks about them is bad implementation. Whole life sucks. Okay. Unless you have a disease that makes you uninsurable, then you're pretty happy you have it. Then your family's happy you have it. 
I just don't look at things the same way as completely black and white going, well, the best option is the free one. Well, and it's, it, it truly is begin with the behavior. I think saving money on fees is great, but everybody talks about pay less. It's like number one in their list of things to do pay less. Why? I want to have a better experience. Yeah. Why wouldn't I look to get where I want to go? Sorry. Look at the last couple of weeks, uh, air travel. A largely, not just throwing shade on anybody who doesn't deserve it, a largely discount airline, their whole mantra is pay less, right? I'm not saying that other airlines didn't have cancellations and that sort of thing either, but did you want to have the experience or did you want to pay a smidge less than somebody? The people who paid a smidge less, you didn't get what you paid for. You got a ter- a worse experience, and now we're kind of unpacking all of that. And it's I I was thinking about that the other week. Could you imagine being on the the second leg of a two leg journey to go see Grandma? Oh. You know, for Christmas, and you're stuck in insert town here, halfway there. Meanwhile, your bags are across the country. My wife was telling me a story. I don't know if it's a friend she knows or must be a social media person or something. They rented a house for Christmas in the um, in Florida. And sent their babysitter so that they had, you know, couldn't take care of their own kids for a few days. So they send their babysitter, which is fun. Babysitter got there. They never did. So they're like, babysitter enjoy the vacation at this like big giant house all by yourself for Christmas. so awesome. And the babysitter wrote back and went, can I use your credit card for food? You know, you didn't think about it, but she was planning on like kind of living in with the family. And sure. Now she's in this gigantic house. Cool. Cool beach house, fun, but I don't have any money, you know? I don't know. I just, oh, what a pain. I would rather make sure that I have a good experience, even if it costs a smidge more, than have a cheap experience and hope that it turns out the way that I want it to. And that, that I think for me is, is, I mean, it's everything. I, I do everything in life on that. It's not just money. I mean, obviously, I want to pay less than. I need to, but well, it is not just you. If it's a choice, I'm going to pick experience. Look at Adam Carroll again that we played earlier. Adam saying, "I began with this goal, and then what's the way to get there?" And then I look at the fees. Right, I look at the fees on how to get there, and I go, "Oh, discounted fee versus whatever fee." Maybe I take a chance and I do the discount. Maybe I don't. But I start with the end and I fight that battle first and then I fight the next one. All right. Last headline I want to talk about because we have done this headline, this type of headline a lot. This one goes back to June 11th, 2017. Let's play this, Steve. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. First headline comes to us from the Daily Mail. Walmart insurer demands that Tracy Morgan, comedian actor Tracy Morgan, turn over medical records and income statements and testify over car crash settlement in which the comedian received $90 million without ever being deposed. Insurance company Ohio Casualty is demanding Tracy Morgan cough up records pertaining to his 2015 multi-million dollar crash settlement with Walmart. The company seeking medical records information regarding the comedian's income and future earning potential. Basically, what happened here is that the insurer allegedly is upset with Walmart that they settled it so quickly. And Tracy Morgan and another gentleman involved in this car accident in this $90 million settlement have been seen driving Lamborghinis. And their question is, how are you able to get around so well and do things so well if it seemed like you were pretty bad off at the time? Wasn't this actually what I what I like about this headline, OG, and I'm going to stop right there because it truly is not about this Tracy Morgan headline. It's about the fact that we see celebrity news every day. We talked about Tiger Woods and his uh, debacle with his car crash. And we talked about celebrity divorces. We went through Johnny Depp's issue. We talked about Aretha Franklin uh, when she passed away, Prince when he passed away. So many people see these headlines every year. These same headlines, and they may quote, you know, you look at your average Yahoo piece and you'll see 3,900 comments on this. Well, Prince, he's got tons of money. Who cares what happened? You know what I mean? Everybody has an opinion. And yet we do nothing with this information to say, okay, what can I do differently? And the point actually of the Tracy Morgan piece that we played was get disability coverage, number one. And number two, look at the provisions of your disability coverage. There's a lesson there with Aretha Franklin. Get a will. 
don't have six of them in crayon that are, <laughs> according to a report, the crayon might have been a little too far, but handwritten found in her sofa, literally in her sofa. That is alleged, by the way. But she did have multiple versions of her will. Have one version of your will. Like there are so many things we can learn over the years from these celebrity problems. I feel like for us, it's this fountain of goodness where we get so many great ideas. And yet we see these every day. And instead we just go, oh, did you see what happened to Tracy Morgan? Oh, that's a Tracy Morgan. He's da, da, da. And we get involved in the day-to-day crap versus really bringing it down to the bedrock of what can I change to make my foundation better? Well, and how about the most recent celebrity issue uh, with Jeremy Renner or the last a couple of days ago on the football game in the Monday night game where that player had a heart attack right on the middle of the field after a seemingly inconsequential football play. Two great examples of weird things that happen, tragedies that happen to these two families. And, you know, hopefully... Both of them are well on the back end of it, but either way, it's going to be a long period of time before they're back to normal, whatever that's supposed to look like. And I think we look at a lot of illnesses and injuries and go, well, that happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me. My wife was in a car accident the other day, a couple of weeks ago, not a big deal, thankfully. And it just reminded me how crappy the insurance people are to deal with. We have great insurance and it's still a pain in the butt to deal with. The other person's insurance, also a pain in the butt to deal with. I figured out or had remembered online uh, reading something about primary rental car coverage. I rent a car frequently. I know you rent a car frequently when you travel, Joe. Do you take the extra insurance on the car? No, nobody does. You just go, I've, I've got insurance. It'll be fine, right? Well, if you have a certain credit card or, or different credit cards have different insurance options, on those rentals. And I was thinking about how much of a pain in the butt it was to deal with my insurance company, which is actually pretty good on this relatively benign car accident. And I was thinking, do I want to deal with this? If this happens in Delaware with an Avis rental, is this how I want to spend my time on a rental car? I do not. I've decided (laughs) I do not want to do that. So I figured out that on the credit card that we use all the time, American Express, you can opt for primary rental car coverage and it costs 15 bucks a a car rental. Pretty cheap insurance in my book to have an accident and then walk away from it. Literally financially go, this this is Amex's problem now. This isn't my problem. We look at these scenarios, these tragedies that happen. And like you said, we, we go, oh man, that's too bad. But look at it from the perspective of what, you know, what would you do if that were you? This athlete, this NFL player, is a peak physical condition. I mean, I've watched these documentaries on these guys know how much and 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 gals in other sports too, they know how much protein and carbs and how many minutes they work out and how many hours they sleep and to the to the gram. It's all science. They are hundred percent focused on the thing that they do. And in this case, an NFL athlete, their performance on the field matters in their whole life. So they know everything. So this person who goes through rigorous fitness tests, goes through rigorous physicals. Do you get a physical every year? Yeah, you're supposed to every year. These guys get medical treatment every week and he still has a heart attack in the middle of a football game. How do you know you're not going to do that? Out mowing the lawn or going for a swim or a bike ride or a walk or eating ice cream. And thankfully, there's medical intervention now that that's not immediately a death sentence. And hopefully both celebrity things turn out well. But either way, you're not going to work the next day. You're not going to go to work on on Friday. Right. I hadn't seen the Jeremy Renner thing. Jeremy Renner in ICU as we're recording this recovering from two surgeries after a snow plowing accident. I hadn't even seen that until you, you yeah, just brought he it got up. ran over by a snow cat while he was shoveling his driveway or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just random out there shoveling his driveway, got run over. I got pretty lucky early in my career uh, working with American Express about once a week, we would do a case analysis about how a business or a family manage their money. 
OG sitting in these case analyses of things that weren't me to see how other people handled things was such a great lesson. And that's why we try to do these headlines all the time is because of the fact that we can learn so much from these things that aren't us. If we just stop commenting on Yahoo about about the random thing that we're not going to read about two weeks from today and instead say, what can I do to make sure if this happens to me that I've got a plan? It becomes so valuable. So, so valuable. I, in fact, learned a ton about how Benihana sets up their restaurants. That's it's pretty amazing. You can tell if a Benihana is a newer one or an older one based on how big their bar is because they huh. learned over time that they make far more from alcohol sales. <laughs> So the one that's in Detroit on Big Beaver, where you and I used to live, that one has a very small bar, tiny bar area. That's a very old Benihana. But across town in Dearborn, there's a much newer one. And this one has a monster bar area because of the fact that they make so much money from alcohol sales. But it's just, if you think of yourself as a company and you dive into, okay, where do I make money? How do I spend money? What are the things that could happen to me? What if a random snowplow accident happened? What if I have a heart attack? What if, what if, what if, what if? Walk yourself through these what ifs and it can be very valuable. Incredibly valuable. This is the time of the year to do it. We're already making resolutions on all sorts of stuff. We might as well, might as well make sure that uh, you and your family are taken care of in case something bad happens. Well, I got to say at the end of 1300 episodes, OG, we wouldn't be here for 1300 episodes if it weren't for if it our wasn't stackers. for me. Oh, if, or, well, or for you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so happy that we've been able to do this for 11 now going on 12 years, 12 almost yeah. having the stacking Benjamin show. And uh, here's to the next 1300 episodes. It certainly it seems was. a little overboard. Honestly, how about we just try to do the next week? Let's do the next one, right? Here's to next week's shows. We'll see what happens after that. Hey, and if you want more from us this week, we got a big show coming up on Friday. Friday is our annual eight ball episode. Uh, Len Penzo, our contributor the entire time we've had the Stacky Benjamin show. Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com bought one of those plastic eight balls from Walmart And uh, we ask it questions about the future. And this thing was on fire the first few years, then got a little sketchy and has been rebounding a little bit ever since. We asked it last year at this time questions. We're going to see if those predictions prove true. And we're also going to ask it questions about the following year. But more than that, we use it to kind of look back at the last year and also look forward at the next 12 months and what we kind of expect. So that's coming up on Friday. Also, you can follow us this week on Instagram where we'll be live. We also have our 201 newsletter where we dive in deep into all of these topics. Stackybenjamins.com slash welcome shows you all the places where you can find us. And by the way, if you want to see the entire interview, more about the shred method with Adam Carroll, that's on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, put in Stacky Benjamin show and you will see our interview with Adam, and you can watch that whole thing in its entirety if you really want to see how the shred method works. I've got it pulled up right now, actually. Yeah, it is a Not super the YouTube program. video, the actual website. So, yeah, looking at it. Yeah, if people want to go just directly to the shred method, head to stackybenjamins.com slash shred. And we are an affiliate with the shred method. As I've mentioned, we don't partner with many of the organizations that we talk about on the show, but we really like this one. So if you want to help the show, stackybenjamins.com slash shred tells Adam that we sent you. If you're concerned about the market though, and the chatter around recession, OG and his team have put together a free guide that shares eight moves to make in a down market. This guide helps you play a more panic less, no matter what the market does. So head over to stackybenjamins.com slash guide and get this helpful free guide from OG. It's stackybenjamins.com slash guide. I think that's going to do it for today. We'll see you all back here on Friday, or we'll see you live over on Instagram. Doug, I think you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from Adam Carroll. Most people have debt, but only a few have an actual debt plan. Start your own and be one of the few in 2023. Second, headlines. Instead of getting involved in the minute-by-minute excitement, ask yourself, What timeless message can I learn from this moment? (laughs) The big lesson. You've had 157 years to be trading at the New York Stock Exchange. It's time to get started. 
Let's all become stock owners in 2023, stackers. Who's with me? This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Take a deeper dive into all the topics we cover on each episode by checking out our newsletter, The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. And once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Oh, gee, I had the best trip to the Christmas markets, the European Christmas markets. If people ever get a chance to go, this is, it, it is so fun. Is this an Adventures when, by Disney trip, by the way? It was not. We actually went budget on this one, and I really like the cruise company. I have no affiliation. Like, I always want to be clear. Go to stackingbenjamins.com slash cruise yeah. company. Yes, yes. <laughs> we do not have one. But how great would that be to do a stacking Benjamin? I know companies I that know. do that. We've never done one. We've never done one. Somebody said, uh, I've got a program that, that we need to, we need to get a, we need to get a sponsorship for. This is more of a, of a budget cruiser. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. This is more of a budget cruiser. They're called Emerald cruises. And I really liked it. I thought it was great earlier this summer. Part of my trip to Jordan and Egypt was on a cruise ship and we were on a big old deluxe cruise ship. This was a lot less deluxe, but so nice. And the people working there made it so worthwhile. I really liked our Emerald cruise. Uh, and it was a short one. We just started in Budapest. Then we went to Bratislava, uh, the capital of Slovakia. And then we went to Vienna, which is always amazing. And then took a bus up to Prague, which I'd never been to and was also, I can get into all that later. What I really wanted to talk about was this. I'm getting on the plane to come home. Cheryl and I are both really tired. The plane's been delayed for 12 hours. It actually gets worse, but I'll save the entire story for later. But I've got my got my ticket pulled up on my phone. And you know, you're on one of these wide body jets when you're getting ready to come back across the pond from we're at Charles de Gaulle airport. We've gone from Prague to Charles de Gaulle, waited half a day at Charles de Gaulle. Now we're finally taking off for Detroit. These wide body jets have two aisles. So you ask the flight attendant standing there, they ask for your seat number. And so you give them the seat number and I'm super tired, been sitting in the airport all day, a little grumpy, and uh, ready to just take a nice long Based nap. Based on your text messages, I would say you were very grumpy. Oh, my God. And so I, uh, she said, uh, what row are you in? And I said, we are 31AB, A and B. And she said, oh, you go down this first aisle. I said, yep, 31A and B, where they put the shooters. And I was, of course, joking about that's where they must put all the big shots. It is a three, not one. Not two, 
but three flight attendants' heads whipped around when I said the word shooter. And then Cheryl, because they were all French, by the way, uh, we were on, it was an Air France flight. And Cheryl immediately sees it and goes, no, 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 he means big shots. Well, then she's still saying shots. So she's trying to use a word that doesn't say shots. You know, like dudes that are like the bomb, <laughs> you know, like it was, it was so bad. And luckily, luckily we did get kicked off the plane, but I got to tell you. And, did, and that's how I'm recording this from Paris right? as my visa has been denied into the United States. <laughs> I'm no longer allowed on planes. And that's why I've opened Stacking Benjamin's Europe. Effective today. Dude, what the hell was I thinking? That's where they put the shooters. Uh. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine... You can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.